0: Turn in your Bibles tonight, if you would, to Revelation chapter 13. I beg your indulgence. Uh, Sunday night, I nearly lost my voice. Uh, Monday, I kind of did lose my voice. Tuesday, my voice went somewhere else. It kind of came back sort of yesterday, and I think I'm going to be okay. So, you know, if I sneeze or cough or something, just know that it's, it's probably anointed of God. Something you're supposed to glean from it, I don't know. We're picking up in verse 11 and, and the false prophet. We're now in this meaty portion of the book of Revelation. We've seen the rise of this consortium, this unholy trinity, this, this group of what will ultimately be world-governing systems. We see them on the rise even today. Uh, We talk about the spirit of the Antichrist being in the world already. We can certainly see uh, if you watch any of the stuff going on in the presidential race, uh, one of those I don't know. (laughs) We got to pray. Because right now we got got four choices and it's like, no. And, And We are in a world that's a mess. We're in a world that is rapidly heading towards that time when the cry will go out. These are global problems, they need global solutions, and there will be a global ruler. And tonight, that global ruler is going to have his mouthpiece, a global religion. And so would you pray with me? We'll pick up in verse 11 here in Revelation 13. Father, we thank you that we know the end of the story. God, there is nothing to fear in Christ, and in fact, your perfect love has cast out all fear. Good Lord, we do have a heart for the lost around the world. Lord, your name is the only name whereby men may be saved. People don't like that. Lord, they, they grate against the truth of John fourteen six. That you are the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through you. God, we, we didn't write your word. You did. And you meant it. And so we pray now as we open your word and turn our attention to it that you would speak from heaven into our lives. God, let me not get in the way. pray that you would sim- simply sustain my voice, Uh, Enable me, God, to be your mouthpiece. Thank you for that privilege, that honor, the fear that goes with it. Pray that you would bless now your word, strengthen us to hear it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 11 here in Revelation 13, And I saw another beast. If you remember last time the Antichrist rises out of the sea of humanity, He's on the scenes. We've all seen the Left Behind series. Most of us have read the books. We've watched the movies. There, there are many representations that have been made of this global ruler who will come on the scene, who will have the answer to the political problems. And so the Antichrist, as I said last time, Satan being the unholy father, the Antichrist being the unholy son, and now we're getting to the unholy spirit this world religious leader that will speak forth these things into the world that will cause mankind to worship the beast and ultimately to worship Satan. We often try and separate these things out and it's important that we remember that there's one behind the scenes who is moving in our world even today. We've had so many opportunities as we as we go through our lives to, to see the changes that have occurred over time. Growing up, being my age, I went from propeller-driven planes being the normal airline travel to watching in 1968 us land on the moon, to us now having space probes that have traveled past Pluto. To at the time when I was in grade school, you could have gone to the top of Mount Palomar. You could have gone to the Hale Observatory. You would have been going to the largest telescope on the face of the earth. The 200-inch Hale Telescope. Now it's been surpassed by many dozens of times. We're now peering to the edge of the universe as far as mankind is concerned. Knowledge has increased. The reach of humanity has become global. We can communicate nearly instantaneously all around the earth. I don't know if it's crazy to you, but when I text somebody and, I, and I'm 8,000 miles from here and they text me back 10 seconds later, that freaks me out. I never imagined in my wildest dreams. I, I remember, I have in our cedar chest, I have the Dallas morning news from the day that President Kennedy was assassinated. And that's how you got your news. Now the news of everything Donald Trump says is like instantaneously on the airwaves. Amen? It's crazy. All these ridiculous, absurd things. And we know about them the instant they happen almost. Keep that in mind as you read this. Because this is new news. These things were not even possible 50 years ago. Couldn't have happened. Technology did not exist. Of course God could have allowed a miracle. But we now know that the systems are in place for these things to become a reality in a heartbeat. And I saw another beast coming up out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all authority of the first beast. Remember who the first beast is. There's a second beast. The Greek word there for another is alos. It means another of the same kind. And so they are deeply associated in nature, but they're not exactly the same, much like when you would look at, say, for instance, a lion and a tiger. They can both eat you, amen? But they're not exactly the same, but they have the same cat-like mentality of killing for sport. And whether you know this or not, cats are the only animals on earth that kill for sport. You see, this is another beast that is of the same kind. Has the same nature, in essence. Cut out of the same cloth would be another way to look at it. A beast that when you would see the Antichrist and you would see this second beast, the similarities would be striking, though they would be completely different. One might even say very similar in DNA. And that DNA comes directly from Satan. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast. So you can see the second beast Is in essence a puppet of the first beast in that sense. The message is a singular message. It's really the message of the unholy father, but it's being carried out by the unholy son. And now the unholy spirit causes people to say, Look, you need to worship the beast. The beast is awesome, the beast is grand. And though whose deadly wound was healed, and remember we saw last time, mortally wounded, and then survives rather miraculously. He performs great signs. That phrase could be also translated miraculous things. So that even he who makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. In other words, he's able to do things that we would normally attribute. To God Himself. And He deceives those who dwell on the earth by these signs, which He is granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast who is wounded by the sword and lived. So you can see how there is religious symbolism here. (coughs) I told you. And now I will take a break. Thank you. I feel better than I sound. And so he goes on. And he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast. In other words, you have something going on that is worldwide, it's global. And there are literally uh, people by the billions who are now worshiping this beast. That the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many who would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And so we see the rise now of the false religious system. The masses are going to be drawn to him. They're going to worship him. And remember that the way that the Antichrist rises to power because he's seen as that rider on a white horse. He has a bow, yet no arrows. He'll be seen as someone who's brought world peace. He'll make a peace treaty with Israel, with the nations that surround it. He will enable the coming temple to be built. The Jews will be able to worship again on the Temple Mount. He's going to be really popular. But he's going to stay chiefly a political ruler. That political ruler, as he rises to power, will then realize the only threat to his power will be religion. And so it makes perfect sense that this false world leader will also need a false world religion. The two go hand in hand. And I would remind you that if you look at the history of Europe, Europe from about 1,000 A.D. to about, 15, say, 1,500 or so A.D., just roughly the time of the Reformation. The Roman Church was, in essence, an arm of the kings. And so very often, the bishops, the cardinals, probably all of you have seen Three Musketeers, amen?, That's actually not horribly far-fetched. That was true. And in fact, if you travel to, say, Austria today, and you travel to Fortress Hohen Salzburg, you'll find out that was actually the palace of the bishop of Salzburg. It was not the home of the king. The king didn't actually stay there. It was the home of the archbishop. And so when the peasant wars ensued because the church was impressing the laws, the cruelty of the government upon the people. Finally the peasants rose up and they shelled Fortress Hohen Salzburg and in the bedchamber of the Bishop of Salzburg cannonballs embedded in the wood walls. Not because they were attacking the king. They were attacking the church. The same situation is going to rise up again. Because there will be a false religious system that will rise up in the last day that will coincide with the power of this false ruler. And so as we look at these things, this one world religion now worships this unholy son, the false Messiah. The world is looking today in all of the wrong places. We see ecumenism rise. We, we see the effect of cultish teaching all over the world. Those wrong answers come in the way of experience. So many people go to church now because they want to experience something. If you're coming to the church to experience anything other than God, His Son Christ Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, then you're going to church for the wrong reason. If you're going to be made, you know, somehow feel better... If you're going, to, your, your thoughts would become more positive. If you're going because there's going to be something that happens, you need to reevaluate re- while you go. We have come to worship the true and the living God and to bring him glory and honor and praise. We understand that by reading his word, his words to us. We here at this church, here at Calvary Chapel, we simply study God's word and we study it simply. One of those great things that Pastor Chuck passed along to us, Pastor Steve, continued to promote the very same thing. Teach simply God's Word simply. That principle. Kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. Amen? Because we're not the sharpest tools in the shed sometimes. God's Word needs to be at the center of every church. Remember that Romans 10-17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen? It doesn't come by religion. It doesn't come by church. It doesn't come by denomination. It surely does not come by experience. We want to be in God's presence, and that in and of itself will be an experience for us. But how many people or looking to church to do something that church is not intended to be, or do. Jesus himself actually said in Matthew twelve thirty nine, "...an evil and an adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given it." In other words, Jesus went so far as to say, don't come looking for signs. Don't come looking for wonders. Don't come looking for being slain in the Spirit. Don't come looking for speaking in an unknown language. Don't come for that reason. Come because you want a meeting with God. That you desire to hear from the King of Heaven. You want to know what He has to say. You want to hear His voice and you want to worship Him. Give Him honor. We were created to worship God. And in that sense when we come to church we're doing what we're made for worship him. He alone is worthy. And now this false religious ruler will come along. He's going to be very popular. Why? Because he will be like many groups today. A number of years ago an evangelist named Rodney Brown in in South Africa promoted the idea of holy laughter. You know, just uncontrollable coming to church and laughing at the top of your lungs. I enjoy a good joke like anybody else. But if our experience before the Lord becomes uncontrolled giggling, I think there's something seriously wrong with our worship service. The second thing that happened during that movement, which has moved all over the world, by the way, was that you'd be struck dumb in the spirit, saying absolutely nothing would become your testimony. You just kind of sit there like, which is what happens to people in Colorado now. <laughs> Third thing was they would be slain in the spirit. People would just be knocked over and out for hours. The fourth thing was even the, the weirdest one of them all. They would literally act like animals. At times, they would bark like dogs, they would bark in the spirit. Now my dogs actually do bark in the Spirit, but we as people were created to utter to God praise. It's audible. It's, it's adoration. We're saying, God, we love you. We know you love us. Have you ever noticed our worship songs contain really nothing but expressions of what Scripture declares about God? That's why we sing them. He is mighty. He is awesome. He is holy. He is enthroned on high. He is the one and the true God. He alone is, is worthy of our praise. He is the resurrection. He's the life. We declare those things. We just say them back to Him with our arms lifted high, with our eyes gazing to heaven expecting that He could pop through the clouds at any moment and call His church home. We wait for that glory. Amen? Rodney Brown said at one of his events here he said I'd rather be at a church where the devil and the flesh are manifesting than in a church where nothing is happening because people are too afraid to manifest anything. If the devil manifests don't worry about that either. Rejoice because at least something is happening. That's from his book *Coming Revival*, published in 1991. Anybody ever comes in here, we'll we'll give you the left boot of fellowship. <laughs> Amen. It's out there. There's a satanic church somewhere in the LA basin. That would be where you need to preach that message. You see, people are looking for experience. It excites them. People come, it's like, yeah, this dude was over there in the front and he was barking like a dog. <laughs> Let me share something with you. Worship is not for you. Did you hear what I said? Worship is not for you. It's for God. It is an offering of praise to him. It's not about us. It's not about the band. It's not about a voice. It's not about the music. It is a way for us to communicate, Father, we love you. Amen? You sent your Son to die for us. We adore you. There is none like you. You have been our deliverer. You are our shield, our fortress, You're our shadow in the heat of the day. You're our song in the night. You you see, it's for God. It's not for us. We get the blessing of engaging in it, but it's to Him. We are to offer to Him a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving with our lips. People have the wrong reason for worshiping. There are all kinds of doctrines that float around our world today. And frankly, they're doctrines of demons. Holy laughter certainly among them, barking in the spirit. That you're all little gods. And by the way, that is exactly, ultimately, what the Mormon church teaches. That you too can become a god. So if you think they're Christian, you might want to think again. Very nice people, but very lost when it comes to their soteriology, their doctrine of salvation. Jesus purchased our redemption in hell as he was being beaten by Satan. I don't think so. He yielded up his spirit. He said to Telestai, it is done. Nothing was beaten out of Jesus. He went to the cross because he loves us. He came for the express purpose to die. And Satan has not the power to lay one hand on my Savior unless Jesus allows it. Yet positive thoughts need to be in your daily routine so you can change your own reality. I call that the Mickey Mouse Doctrine. (laughs) Walt Disney had that in Mary Poppins. Just a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. No, it still tastes like medicine. It's just it now rots your teeth as well. If you ask anything of God in Jesus' name, he is obligated to give it to you. No, he's not. That's not what Scripture says. It says, according to his will. (laughs) Amen? And he knows better than you do. So when you start praying for your beamer and it doesn't happen, just know he's got it all under control. If you're truly a child of God, you will never sin. You'd have to rip the whole book of Romans out of your Bible. Paul's wandering around going, oh man, I am dead without Jesus. But praise God, I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. But you're If you're saved, I love this. You're going to be rich and prosperous. Tell that to our brothers and sisters in every third world. Tell that to the, our brothers and sisters in northern Mexico. Tell that to our brothers and sisters in the Philippines or Cambodia or El Salvador. Tell them they don't love the Lord and don't have any faith. You tell them that not true. Matter of fact, many of them have faith that would put us to shame because they're trusting literally God for their daily bread. You see, God hasn't promised. Matter of fact, he promised exactly the opposite. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. But know this, I've overcome the world. You You see, now imagine that a world ruler comes by and this idyllic environment occurs to where there's peace around the globe and everybody is financially prosperous because about 1.6 billion or so of us disappeared. Let's just, we'll be generous tonight. We're home in heaven. The whole world's going, yay, the Christians are gone. They were the problem in the first place. And they have all your stuff. They get to keep your stuff because you don't get to take it with you. Say hallelujah. 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 Amen? Amen. Anybody that wants to maintain your home in heaven, have at it. Not me. If I never lift another paintbrush, praise you Jesus. (laughs) Now imagine that everyone is universally fairly well off. Now imagine there's peace around the globe. And the world ruler says, you know, it was really those Christians that caused that. Now that they're gone, we'll just blend everything together. Everybody can worship the same God. The world will be clamoring for that. And so here we have this other beast and then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. Alosterion. This one of a, another beast. Same kind, same nature. Just like the Antichrist. Much like a lion and a tiger. He's Jesus used the same term, by the way, when he said, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. Helper with the same nature as God. Helper with the same nature as Jesus himself. Another of the same kind that was God. Same word is used here. This other beast, empowered by Satan himself, just as the first beast. Notice he has two two horns. He's going to have some kind of authority. But he's a lamb, and he has no crown, which tells me he's a religious leader. He has no crown. He's not a government official. He's going to wander around the world, and he'll be very, very, very popular. He'll be like, you know, you remember back in the... For those of you that are, well, we're old. We remember all the... the, You remember the Krishnas that used to be at every airport in the world back in the 60s and 70s? You know, and you, you kind of wanted to thump them because they had those things, you know, those finger-assembled things. And we had in in the middle of San Diego County on the coast, we actually had the temple that was the, the center of the Hare Krishnas. And you would go there, and from like a mile away, you could hear the same thing. You know, and the symbols going on. It was insane. Doctors, lawyers, even Indian chiefs people that you would think would have enough brains to realize that shaving all your hair off, putting it into a ponytail on the back of your head, wearing a robe, and running around in an airport with with a stack of books like this, getting the tar beat out of you, because that's what happened back in the day. People would go, you know, it it was like, let's go down and roll some of the Hare Krishnas. That was college fun. And they'd keep doing it anyway. And the same guy, they'd go... Oh, peace, brother. Now imagine that their boss can actually do real miracles. Imagine their boss can do signs and wonders. Imagine it's not some guy from Tibet. Imagine it's not somebody from India who comes and he's wearing a saffron robe and, you know, he kind of comes across as somebody you kind of just like because he's nice and he's quiet and peaceable, but he actually can do miracles. And he attaches himself directly to the fact that there's peace in the world. How popular do you think that religion is going to be? This beast is going to have tremendous power over people. Jesus said as he was speaking uh, to the disciples, Matthew chapter 7, Beware of false prophets, for they will come to you as in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are as ravenous wolves. They'll come dressed like a shepherd is actually the translation of that passage. They won't come dressed like sheep. They're going to come like shepherds. A shepherd's clothing. They're going to look like the good guy. Jesus is warning that wickedness that would abound in these last days. By the time you get to Matthew 24 he says beware. For false Christ, false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect of God. And he said, see, I, I've told you this before. This ruler is going to rise up. He will have all kinds of people following him. That deception will be so good. You know, we talk about our First amendment's rights right now. A couple of cases being tried before the Supreme Court currently. Very, very important cases if you believe in, in, in life. But imagine that your First Amendment's completely gone. And in fact, the very intent of the founders of this nation, which was to separate government into three branches, legislative, executive, and judicial, so that no one branch could overcome the other. That's the reason for the separation of powers. And as Thomas Jefferson uh, authored the Danbury letters to the Danbury Baptist Association, he did not say that you couldn't have Christian religion in the United States and your faith be warned publicly. He wrote those letters actually for the exact opposite reason that is often quoted, and that's so that no church would be oppressed by the government. That's the reason he wrote those letters. Exactly the opposite of what kids are being taught today in school. Now imagine exactly the opposite is the reality of this world when the Antichrist rises. Not only will he have the power to say who you're going to worship, there will be a state religion. And the false prophet, the second beast, will be the head of it. Very popular. Don't think it can happen? Happened in Europe. Don't think rulers like this could ever pop up in the world scene? Ask yourself a simple question How in the world did Adolf Hitler rise to power? Because he appealed to the masses. What he spoke to the German people was a message of nationalism. We should be the rulers of the world. There's a lot of similarities between what's going on in our world right now and what was then a socialist party that became fascist. The world is looking for these people even tonight. What's the purpose of the beast? Well, just as the Holy Spirit draws men to Christ, so will this beast draw men to the Antichrist. Notice verse 12. And he exercises all authority of the first beast. In other words, he's empowered by the first beast. There's a certain level of control that the first beast takes over the earth. He will then pass that along and it will be done in his presence. It causes the whole earth and those who dwell in it to worship that first beast. And notice it's worship. It's very, very, very clear the word that's used there. It's exactly the same word that we would use to describe our worship to God the Father. The word shakal, the word proskaneo. To bow down one's heart before. To bow down one's heart. We don't do that to government. We pay homage, we give allegiance. But I don't worship the federal government. I worship God. And now this beast will cause men to actually worship God. It'll do so because of that wound that was healed. It'll look like there was a miraculous recovery of the first beast. The first beast is going to be hailed. Look, he's he's a miracle worker. I even suggest to you, it'll be very much like uh, we view the Lord Jesus having risen from the dead. So it will be in that day. The world will say, well, look, here's this great beast. I mean, the dude was dead. He had a mortal wound. It was in his forehead. And now he's alive. That can't be explained naturally. He must be godlike. Who is like this beast? We saw back in verse 4. The phrase here, great signs, is a single Greek word. It's poeo. And it means it indicates repeated action. Many, many, many miracles. Miracles after miracle after miracle after miracle. Great signs, not little ones, big ones and lots of them. Maybe he's going to come up with a cure for cancer. Can you imagine how popular that person would be? Probably not a person in here that hasn't been affected by cancer in some way, shape, or form. Maybe the beast rises up and all of a sudden medical advances, does great signs and wonders. We saw this really in the life of Moses. Remember when Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh? We, we saw this Pharaoh's sorcerers do this very same thing. I believe they performed real miracles, but they did so by the power of the enemy, by the power of Satan. They didn't produce a fake stick. They did the exact same miracle. It was the same. Except they did that empowered by the enemy. And I believe that's exactly what will happen with this second beast doesn't mean that God's using them it just simply means that they are able to produce those things which enable other people to say look the antichrist is the real deal Deuteronomy chapter 13 if you wish to turn there you can mark it (coughs) sorry it's been there for 10 minutes I think that's two, isn't it? Doing pretty good. God doesn't need Satan's forces to do miracles, of course. Verse 1, Deuteronomy 13, If there arises among you a prophet, a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and that sign or wonder comes to pass, of which he spoke to you, saying, let's go up after other gods. Very clear that you marked that. Because all signs and wonders are supposed to point to the one true and the living God. So if those signs and wonders are pointed towards anyone else, notice what it says. Which you have not known. And says, let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer of dreams. For The Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul. And you shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments, obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. You see, God's warned us. If somebody comes and the source appears to be odd and the place where that miracle is pointed, any other place other than God... That would include the Antichrist. We're not supposed to listen. Frankly, family, miracles don't save people anyway. They never have. They never will. That's why Isaiah 42 says what it says. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to graven images. God demands that we worship Him and Him alone. Period. It's the first commandment, amen? We're supposed to worship God alone, period. And while I'm trying to be kind here, that includes we're not supposed to worship Mary, or the saints, or statues, or icons, or anything else. So if you're praying through or to anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ, as far as is concerned, that is an anathema to God. Because you're even worshiping the Mother of God. Mary needed a Savior. She said so herself. And yet how many people today worship images? How many people flock to Our Lady of Lords in France or the Weeping Madonna in Mexico? There are people who just by the tens of thousands flock there and offer prayer. That is not found in your Bible. That's not meant to be cruel. It's not meant to be pointed. It's simply to point out the fact people are already prone to worshiping anything that appears to do something good for them. Sometimes we worship government. Do something nice for us, we're like, yeah. We have to be careful. Worship alone belongs to God. If we're truly his people, miracles will follow us around. I I guarantee you, you're going to see miracles happen through the work that's done in the mission field. Happens all the time. I've been privileged to be around many countries around the world. As you you watch what God is doing, you can attribute to nothing other than the fact that God did it. It's miraculous. God works mightily in us and then desires to work mightily out of us and through us. As you look at this passage in its fullness and its completeness, these miracles that Jesus did while he was here were to authenticate his ministry while he was here on earth. There was a reason, there was a purpose that Jesus did the things that he did. There were many things that the Old Testament told us about Messiah. And there was occasion, it's recorded in Luke 4 if you want to turn there. You can start in verse 18. But there's an occasion when Jesus is actually reading. He's, he's come into a synagogue and a scroll of the book of Isaiah. Now bear in mind that the one that's in the shrine of the book in Jerusalem right now is about 66 feet long. And if you wind that up, it's rather thick paper. It's not like the Bible paper that we have. You could probably make a scroll 66 feet long. It wouldn't be very large. But a scroll that's made out of parchment, was a, that was a big scroll. It would have probably been in excess of 10 to 12 inches in diameter. Just the one book. Here's the other kicker. There were no chapters and verses. And so Jesus takes the scroll and he goes to the place. That's what scripture says. And Jesus begins to read and he's reading actually out of the the scroll of Isaiah and says the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim the liberty to the captives, recovery sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book. If you know that passage, he's stopping in the middle of the verse. Why is he doing that? He gave it back to the attendant. He sat down. The eyes and the entire they were all fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today in your sight is this scripture fulfilled. He stops. Why did he stop? Why didn't he just finish the verse? He says this one's fulfilled. Why would he say that? Because he had come to share the good news. He had come to give his life a ransom for many. He had come that we might have eternal life. He had come, as I shared on Sunday, for the cosmos. For all of humanity, everywhere in the entire world. That the cosmos, through him, should be saved. Anyone, to as many as believe, to them he gave. You see, he had come to do that. He'd come to heal the broken hearted to proclaim liberty, to set the captives. Can you imagine what Abraham and Isaac and Jacob thought when they saw Jesus? It's you. And he sets them free. And he gathers them together out of Abraham's bosom, out of that place called paradise in Luke 16, and he takes them to heaven with him. He sets them free. They'd been waiting in faith. The hall of faith, the role of faith there in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. A beautiful picture of all these who died believing that Messiah would come. Jesus said, I I came the first time to do this. And he did it. Prison gates to set our souls free. The second part, the part that he left out, verse 2, and the day of the vengeance of our God and to comfort those who mourn. Now you can see why he stopped. You see, the first time he came as the Lamb. The second time he will come as the Lion of the tribe of Judah to bring judgment on mankind, to fulfill what the prophet Joel declared. Because of my people, because of the land that is God's because of my heritage Israel, because what the world has done to Israel. That's the reason Jesus didn't read the rest of the verse. Because he said today in the sight of me, right now, you have seen this first part fulfilled, but you have not seen the second part fulfilled. Because it's still future tonight. Jesus is coming. Amen? And so those miracles that he did authenticated that he had come to set the captives free. Can you imagine the comfort to that woman who was caught in the very act of adultery when Jesus said, you know, I was just sitting here writing on the ground and I looked up and where are your accusers? What does John 3 say? The Son of Man did not come into the world to condemn the world. The world whose sin was already condemned. The Son of Man came into the world that the world through him might be saved. You see, he came to bring that message. The Antichrist is going to bring another message. That you owe allegiance to him. He's going to look like you'll have the ability to carry out the very things that he says Notice as we continue on, he's going to make an image like the real thing. And this is where it gets very interesting for us today. You see, we have now the technology to project these types of images around the world. And before you carry it too far, you know, there are people that have, you know, was a, for a long time there was a. A rumor floating around that Belgium had built a supercomputer called the Beast and it was keeping track of everybody on the planet and all that you were doing. Uh, It's a falsehood. It did not happen. But I absolutely can tell you that your government is taking all of your phone records and storing them in Utah. Beautiful brand new facility up there. See, we can do those kind of things now. So if you don't want Uncle Sam knowing what you're saying, don't use your cell phone. Verse 14, he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he is granted to do in the sight of the beast. In other words, the beast empowers him. He says, look, you're going to be able to do these things. And the world's going to go, ooh, ah, you know. Telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast so you can see now the iconography. Everybody will have their little, you know, their little beast statue. Probably have one on their dash. You know, and they'll be worshipping the beast. And I'm not trying to actually mock here. I'm just saying, this is what's going to happen. He's going to be that popular. You'll be able to go get your little beast memorabilia. You make an image of the beast that was wounded by the sword and lift. They're going to have their little thing. People love that kind of stuff. It's like, well, we can can put one in the living room, and we can put one in the bedroom, we can put one in the front lawn. We'll set up our little beast image. And here's the real crazy part. And he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast. Whether this is going to be some holographic image or not, we know what it's going to be able to do because of what's said next. That the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. That's one powerful image. Is that something that's technological? Very likely. Do I know for sure? No, I do not. But I know that we now live in an age where information can be transmitted around the globe at the speed of light. Those wonderful fiber optic lines that you have, if you have Fios... You have fiber optic lines. You got maybe you have fiber optic lights in your pool. Happens at one end, it's instantaneously at the other. 186,276 feet per two miles per second. That's quick. The earth at the equator is a little less than twenty four thousand miles in diameter. I can go around the earth a whole bunch of times in one second. Amen? It's going to be instantaneous. Count down a second. 1,001. Four times around the entire earth. At least. Maybe five. Now that beast has power in addition to that. I happen to believe that this is tied into what we'll get looking at next week, which is the mark. What's that mark going to do? Is it some kind of tracking device? Maybe. Maybe. But I know this, we've been toying with the idea for a long time of chipping a lot of things. My dogs have chips in them. My cats have chips in them. They're chippy. <laughs> and if you lose them, you can call a 1-800 number. Oh yeah, Hannah's over here, a three blocks over, somebody with some meat. We can do that with dogs. We've experimented on our own military, by the way, as well. And now imagine that maybe that thing has some capacity to explode and it happens to be in the middle of your forehead. Don't know. Just saying. We've never had that technology before. We've never had nanotechnology that would allow us to make things small enough to even think about it. But we do now. And the world's looking for global answers. That beast will rise up, be very powerful, and it will have the power to sweep across the globe instantaneously. It was a day and time when spiritual adultery will abound. I worship anything. You, you, you see, the children of Israel were told that they were married to God, and they went searching after a harlot. The world today far as God's concerned, is his. The earth and the fullness of it belongs to the Lord, amen. People may not worship him, but it changes not the fact of ownership. God is the rightful deed holder. He's given that deed to his son Jesus. They saw it after another. They'll look for that one world government. They'll look for that one world religion. They'll look for what will come next to one world monetary system, the way that we purchase. Anybody else a little freaked out by the fact that you now have your, these chipped cards and every, you're walking around and they're, they're always telling me, well put your card in the, and, and leave it in there. I'm like, I'm not doing that. It's like, I don't have any idea what you're doing. You're draining my bank account right now? What are you doing? Now imagine all you got to do is maybe wave your right hand, or maybe they'll have a noodle scanner. He'll just—I don't know. Right <laughs> now, if they did that with me, all they—they they, they would not see anything. It's empty. But the world is looking for these types of things, and I would share with you as we close. You see, as we move towards this one-world religion, we're, we're really already getting there. If you caught in September of last year, Pope Francis spoke at St. Patrick's Cathedral in Manhattan, and I actually looked at the actual transcript of what he said, and this is how he began his address. I would like to express two sentiments for my Muslim brothers and sisters. Firstly, my greetings as they celebrate the Feast of Sacrifice. I would have wished my greeting to be warmer. My sentiments of closeness, my sentiments of closeness in the face of tragedy, the tragedy that they suffered at Mecca. He's referring to, you remember, the crane collapse that killed several hundred people at Mecca. At this moment, I give assurance of my prayers and unite myself with you all in a prayer to Almighty God, All-Merciful. That is a declaration of the Muslim speech of faith. He's declaring that God that he worships is the same God as Allah. That's a tragedy. Because they're not the same. Yahweh, Lord of hosts, is not Allah. That's in our world today. And it's very prominent. We all worship the same God. God doesn't think so. The Jewish high priest wore a nameplate uh, plate on the top of the crown, uh, the, the headgear that he wore. It said holiness unto God. And it was very specific. It was the one true and the one living God. So if the God that we worship declares that he has a son and that son is the Lord Jesus Christ and that that son sent another helper into the world known as the Holy Spirit and when the tenets of faith of Islam say specifically God has no son, then how can Pope Francis say that he worships the same God? That is very dangerous theology because you're declaring that they're the same and they're not the same. No Muslim, by the way, would tell you that, that they're the same. Because as far as they're concerned, Jesus is simply a prophet. To us, he's Emmanuel. Amen? So the world is ripe for this right now. The Pope speaks for 1.6 or so billion Catholics around the world. Was he speaking ex cathedra? I don't know. But I know this, he said it. You can watch it on the internet. You can pull up his speech and listen to him say the word yourself. Why do I say these things? Because the world is looking for global answers and global answers in religion not just global answers to the problems that belie us, but global answers of faith. Jesus already gave us the global answer. I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. The only answer. You either believe that or you don't. That doesn't mean that we need to be in, in any way, shape, or form mean spirited or angry we need to love on people so that they can see Jesus but truth is truth and we cannot negotiate the truth and if we believe the truth we must speak the truth we speak that truth in love and the truth in love is Allah is not Yahweh and only God can save anything else is the spirit of the antichrist we're going to pray we're going to have some pastors come forward maybe something that i said you just want to pray with somebody we'd love to pray with you maybe you're here and you've believed the lie that all roads lead to heaven. Jesus said, narrow is the way that leads unto life, and few there are who find it. It doesn't mean it's impossible, but it does mean that he is the only way. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to have pastors that would love to pray with you. would you stand with me and let's pray worship team is going to come back out father how we need to be busy about your business in these last days God we ask that you would move powerfully by your spirit and I would pray right now if there is anyone in this building who does not know you Lord your word is clear that if we will confess you before men you will confess us before your Father and so Lord to believe on your name is to be saved that you in fact are the only begotten Son of God that you were tried for our sins you were put to death on Calvary's cross you laid in the grave for three days you were raised up and you sit right now at the right hand of God the Father, making intercession for us. Lord, that name, the name above all names. The word spoken to us that at that name, the entire universe would one day bow. And every tongue will one day confess. So we choose to confess as believers, right now, that Jesus Christ is Lord. We thank you that we can't be swayed. We can't be moved. We can't be snatched out of your hands, Father God. You will save to the uttermost those who are yours. And so we bless you. We praise you. Prepare us, Lord, that we might have an answer for the hope that lies within us to all who ask. We ask these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So worship. Amen.